Hey peoples, it's time for Caffeine with Kunan, and today I am drinking water. For this episode, we will be discussing the Constitutional Convention, and I am joined by Luke Hopkins. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having this this invitation, and uh, uh, it's important right now because there's about to be an election. But uh, for me, I'm an old-timer. I came here in 1966 to attend the University of Alaska, and a long time after that, after a 30-year career at the university uh, working there, I then uh, was appointed to the borough's planning commission, and that started my career in voting on issues uh, that affect our community. And from there, I went to the borough assembly as a member and then as mayor for two consecutive terms. And now I'm an elected uh, board of directors for the Interior Gas Utility, which is a publicly owned natural gas uh, distribution entity that the borough owns. But with all that voting on, on issues all the time for our community, that's why I decided to get involved with Vote No on the Constitutional Convention, and that is a statewide group. And so that's why I'm thanking you for offering this time to talk about that. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. I know that in some circles where I have been talking about this with friends, a lot of them have questions, and I have actually been learning a lot about this in doing research for this episode. So it's really great having you here. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, there's certainly lots to talk about. We can talk about. Uh, I hope to be able to discuss the organization, uh, which is actually the website uh, defendakconstitution.com. So that's where all of Alaskans can go and look at the positions that we have about why we should be voting no on the ballot question, which is not anything to do with ranked choice voting in the November election on November 8th. It just has to do with a yes or no vote. And every 10 years, it's required by the state constitution. If there has not been a constitutional convention called by the lieutenant governor or the legislature, there shall be a vote put put before the voters. That's where we're at now. Awesome. I'll make sure to put that link in the description of the episode, so you should be able to find it if you're listening online. So you already started to talk a little bit about it, but do you want to explain what the Constitutional Convention is? Well, if there were to be called a Constitutional Convention, or we can go back to the only Constitutional Convention that Alaska has had, and that was the original group that formed and wrote the Constitution that we have now. So... What we have is a process of, it's like a legislature. There's, they are delegates that would be elected, that were elected back in, 19, in the 1950s, and they decide to sit down and propose what items our Constitution should have in it and then vote on those items, whether they're accepted or not by the, the delegation at the Constitutional Convention, which... The only one that we've had was held in uh, uh, at UAF's campus in Constitution Hall. That's why that's named that. And then it's put before the voters to vote uh, to accept this Constitution. And so, again, that was done. So since then, every 10 years, there's been a vote. There's been the question asked by voters, shall there be a constitutional convention? And just 
to touch upon that every year we've every 10 years the vote has been resoundingly no we shall not have a constitutional convention so someone may take issue with that because one of the times the question was asked the written question put before voters was as required by law shall we have a constitutional convention the wording was misleading Mm-hmm. Because the law isn't, shall we have a constitutional convention or not? It's, you have to put it before the voters. So it was misleading. The state Supreme Court said, got to vote again. So there never was a constitutional convention. So every time it's been, uh, other than that time, that one vote, it's been a resoundingly no. So here we are again for this coming uh, election on November 8th. Shall there be constitutional convention? And... Uh, I'm part of the group that says this is not this is not a good idea to have a constitutional convention, and I have lots of reasons why. And so there's a there's a uh, uh, co-chairs statewide co-chairs for this group vote no on the constitutional convention, and we all are endorsing the idea of voting no. But for the, in the Fairbanks area, it's John Coghill and myself. And in 1916, I ran against John Coghill for the state senate seat. Um, that he held, and I wanted, and I challenged him. I lost, he won. Uh, but now we're both, even though we're on opposite sides of the uh, political spectrum in many ways, we both agree this is something that we should make sure voters are aware of why it should be a no vote. So it's, I find it very interesting. And when John and I present at the same time, I'm always thinking I'm on one side of the political spectrum, and he's Many, in many ways, the way on the other side, mm-hmm. but here we're we're standing strong on this. Yeah, I've noticed that um, whenever I've I've watched different forums or different questionnaires sent out to candidates for the state government, uh, people will often ask about the constitutional convention, and most of the time, people are saying no. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what party they're associated with, or if they're even associated with a party. So I'm glad to hear that most people that you and I've had contact with mm-hmm. uh, are going, I'm not sure we need one. Mm-hmm. Everything's going along smooth. The position that I want to make clear is what could happen if there's a yes vote and what that might look like in this time of, let me just say, uh, hot politics. Mm-hmm. There's three simple topics that I hold it, that it it's unnecessary to have a constitutional convention, a vote yes, it's unnecessary to say let's have one. It's going to be expensive and the state may have enough money for it, but do we need to spend a large amount of money on that convention? And it's risky mm-hmm. or dangerous because of how the rights that we have now and that we've had since statehood could be changed by just simple vote. And uh, uh, we have one of the best constitutions of any state. Uh, And so that's why I find it's very important to protect the content of that constitution that we have. Yeah, I heard that other states actually look to our constitution when writing their own because of how strong our constitution is. And then on that same note, um, 14 other states uh, have a requirement to put before the voters, shall we have a constitution a convention? And um, I think it's Rhode Island and Hawaii 
have voted one time for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so um, I don't need. To, I don't think our state needs to be number three to have a constitutional convention that could change the document that we have now. So what could happen if we have a constitutional convention? Well, it's very it's it's quite involved. So the legislature has to set a law as to how the constitution the opening aspect of it, how we elect delegates, where it might be held and put the money towards it. In other words, take money from somewhere and fund it. It's probable that if the legislature doesn't vote on a package, then it will, of certain conditions, it will. it's called for in this constitution, our constitution, it shall be as close as the, the uh, condition was in 1950s when it was first held. So that only had a certain number of delegates. But right now it probably would be, it's expected that we would go by the election districts. Mm-hmm. And then you'd probably have some at-large uh, members, possibly. Then there's going to be a body that assists the convention operation. It would be like uh, references and in, in aspects like that. So it would be 65 uh, delegates or maybe more. And they would have to uh, then choose a time of when to have, when to convene the convention. Elected legislators who are currently in the legislature, they can also run to be a delegate also. So they probably would not have an election during a year when the seated legislators are also trying to run for a re-election. So it would be in an odd number year just because of the way the legislature works. So So if people were to vote to do one, it wouldn't happen this year, it might happen next year. Right. My opinion is that, and people can challenge my opinion, but as early as August of next year, they could say the legislature could already take up this question because we'll know in November, end of November, whether it's a yes or no vote succeeded. Mm -hmm. So if it's a yes vote, then they'll start, they could pass a law in the next session. Mm-hmm. which you know is next spring, the conditions for a constitutional convention, and they could be then, it's an odd number of year, um, they, they could help hold an election statewide for delegates. And then the delegates, then when would the constitution convention be convened? So all those things are in the mix. It could happen in the next odd number of year for the election, which would be, at the end of this current legislative session, two years from that. So, one of the big reasons that that concerns me is that look at what happens across the country with different states having their elections, whether it's governor, or, you know, for judges, whatnot. Outside money would come pouring in to try to affect who gets elected as, as an initial impact with outside money, dark money. So, um, if I were going to want to run for election and other people have lots of money, I may want to say, oh, such and such organization outside is offering me some money. So all those things start to weigh in on what could happen a, as the Constitutional Convention proceeds. So therefore, we should vote no on November 8th because it's too risky. Uh, before I go to the next question, just 
for people who maybe don't remember their government class, what is a delegate again? A delegate would be, uh, for this purpose, elected from a particular geographical area. Um, let's say my new district is District uh, 36, which is most of the interior rural and part of the rural uh, uh, communities and part of the Fairbanks North Star Borough. So let's say that gets one delegate, just like it does get one House of Representatives now. So that would be that would be the uh, how a delegate would be defined from that particular district. They'd be elected to serve during the whole time of the Constitutional Convention. Okay. So it would be like a ballot measure. That's the name on the ballot that I get to vote for. Is doing a Constitutional Convention a popular idea amongst Alaskans? Well, five different times they've said it's not a popular idea. So, um, and some of those votes were resoundingly not in favor of it by the, by the election results. So there's not, a, there's not a driving need to have that over those five times. But this year is a little different. We have volatile politics. We have a governor that wanted certain aspects changed that are in the Constitution, but the legislature didn't move that forward, that question, those questions forward. So there's groups in this state that are vocally uh, speaking strongly about what they want changed. Abortion, mm -hmm. marriage, school funding, the judicial methods, the methods that we have to forward uh, nominees to be judges in our higher courts. Um, the governor gets to choose those, and so there's a judicial council that then submits names to the governor to select from. The governor doesn't like that. The governor wants that changed. He doesn't like the judicial group that passes those, those names forward. So those are items that are in our state's constitution. Mm -hmm. Other members want the PFD put into our constitution, the, 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 how, how the money is going to be. Right now it's a statute. It's not in our constitution. The permanent fund's in our constitution. We voted on that. So, uh, but not, not the detail of giving me the check. Mm -hmm. So I thought of two things. Uh, I had already brought up how I heard how some of our candidates this year have spoken on it, but as you were talking about it, it reminded me of the uh, recent NAACP forum where they interviewed candidates from districts 31, 32, and District P, which is uh, the city of Fairbanks area and kind of into Fort Wainwright. Mm -hmm. um, and all except for two candidates had shown up to this forum and all of the candidates, when they were asked this question about the Constitutional Convention, had said that they, they, would, they were planning on voting no. And the reason why is because the system we have set up to make changes to the Constitution works really well. It does. 
And then the second thing that I wanted to bring up was you were mentioning different things that people were talking about that they wanted to change. One of the things that I had heard is that even if we vote yes, that doesn't mean that all of the things that people want to change will be changed. It could be that some of the things that you would want changed will change, but then things you want to stay the same could get changed as well because there's other people who want that to change. Like you were mentioning the governor wanting to change the judicial committee, council, I'm going to call yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. council. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, then, like, say, uh, if he's really pushing for this constitutional convention, then when, if it happens, it could be that a few of the other things he wants to change will change, but the judicial thing won't. It'll stay the same. So having a constitutional convention won't fix everything, especially since Alaskans are so varied. That's true. They are varied and they have lots of opinions. But again, these are times when when one is strongly conservative and vocal about it may mean that they want a lot of changes mm -hmm. because they don't agree with maybe the way the permanent fund dividend check is, is uh, established um, each year. Or they don't like their school system where they have to do, where the, all the money that goes to a public school system or to some, uh, s some other schools, they want to be able to get a voucher to spend mo that money where they think it's best. And maybe that's a religious school. So there's some, per there, there's some items that are pretty basic in the Constitution that are they address the needs that Alaska has, and that's what I'm concerned with that might get changed. For example, public education, uh, public welfare, public health, the University of Alaska system. So these are single, single sentences in our Constitution. There shall be, there shall be, uh, the state of Alaska shall uh, commit to public welfare. They could remove that in a delegation at the convention. And then we as voters across the state, we would be voting on those changes after they're done with the convention. Now, some say, oh, that's a safeguard. Well, no, that's not a safeguard. That's putting new ideas before us and, oh, hey, maybe that's okay. I can take my voucher wherever I want for school funding. So these are, this is how this document, the Alaska Constitution, that I'm holding up as the little blue book, single sentences can be removed. And therefore, Alaska's laws will have to change for that. Oh. So if, and again, outside money comes in. Let's say that there's an idea that Citizens United, where corporations have voice, they can have speech about what they think. Well, there's huge amounts of money for that. We already see it in politics now, the way uh, corporations can pump money into an election for a particular candidate or not. But back to your question, our legislature, as opposed to a constitutional convention, our legislature has proposed to the voters um, 42 times to modify our constitution. So that's one process. It has to go through the legislative body, House and Senate, in our, the Alaska House and Senate. The governor doesn't veto it. 
and it gets then put on the put to the voters at at the next election. So they've done that 42 times, and 14 times the voters have approved them. There's a list of all those um, online, and you can find them. But what the other point is that I that I want to make our process is for the legislature to work on this. It's very robust. In the last 15 years, legislatures legislators have considered 137 proposals that never even made it out of their body. House or Senate said, oh, we think this is a good idea. Let's write this bill to modify our constitution. It dies in the body. So again, that's eight legislator, legislatures have proposed another 137 actions to modify our constitution, but they never went anywhere. And so, for example, the governor would like the Judicial Council um, put before the voters. He submitted that to the legislature as a proposal that he wanted to see. It never came out of, it, it never came forward. It was proposed, it was a bill, uh, and then it just died at the end of the legislative session. That system has a lot of checks and balances. Mm -hmm. I, for one, and the group that supports no, the vote no, thinks that's the best system to modify it because there's many checks and balances in there. The opposing side, not so much. Do you want to tell us more about the Defend the Alaska Constitution, or is it Defend AK Constitution? Uh, technically, well, the website is Defend AK Constitution. The, the general wording is... is Defend the Alaska Constitution. Yeah, 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 yeah. And vote no on one. I mean, that's the, that's the jargon that is printed on everything. Defend our Constitution. Mm -hmm. If you go defendourconstitution.com, and you haven't been to the Alaska site, it's for the national uh, constitution. Oh, uh, okay. But if you've visited our website, then it pops up when you put it in. So uh, our group, we have co-chairs, um, many are former legislators. Some of those individuals are co-chair of Bering Straits Dance Corporation, uh, Gail Schubert. Uh, Bill Corbis from Juno, myself, uh, Luke from Fairbanks, only a local elected person, uh, Bruce Patello, uh, who was uh, uh, a longtime uh, attorney general for the state, and now he's very concerned with the same issue again, that we should be voting no. Joel Hall, who is the executive director of uh, the uh, AFL-CIO. So representing those, those unions, mm -hmm. and those unions have said it's not a good idea <laughs> to consider that. Uh, Kathy Giesel, who is a former senator, state senator, she's running for office again. But, and then John Coghill, uh, um, as I mentioned before, um, longtime uh, uh, state senator. And of course, his father was on the Constitutional Convention and uh, wrote a lot, uh, worked on its language. So those are the co-chairs, but then there's a steering steering member, steering uh, committee members, and there's almost 400 people across the state that have decided that they want to join our vote no as steering uh, committee members. So there's a, a number of people in Fairbanks, and they go around and speak at at um, their organizations about 
why it's not important. And there's vote no signs going out, yard signs in the Fairbanks area. So there's a working group in the Fairbanks area, as there is in Southeast and as there is in South Central, um, trying to inform voters that it's not a good idea and consider voting no. Um, if people want to volunteer, uh, should they expect to speak before organizations, or do you have different types of things that they can do? There are different different types of things to do. But if you're on a steering committee, we just the, the, our organization just asks you to, if you have a chance at your meetings, if there are meetings, just mention that you're not in favor of this this issue that's coming up on the ballot. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not voting for someone that's Republican or Democrat. It's it's just a question: um, shall there be a, a constitutional convention? And so, asking you to just support that. If you want to get more involved, um, we have Zoom meetings and uh, across the state. And um, and as a area like Fairbanks area, we can get together and meet as they do in Southeast and South Central. We're just we're trying to get our our organization in Fairbanks area more robust. Um, people are starting to go, hey, I think I want to help on this. So the, always welcome. If people are wanting to talk about this with uh, friends and family or uh, just some group, like say if they're in a knitting group or something like that that likes to talk about political things, and they want to bring it up, how should people talk about it? Well, I would think that you can ask about many of the institutions and aspects of Alaskan life that each one of us participate in. Mm -hmm. Some of those are called for in the Constitution. So maybe that's the start of the question. Gee, I wonder if schools are in our Constitution. Well, schools school funding is in our constitution and how it shall be funded and let's say it's gee my uh, relatives are are getting some health health care services i wonder if that could be affected by a vote on the constitutional convention and so th those are those are some of the systems my cousin for example who is here in alaska um welfare receiving welfare um, aspects. And so, well, that's in the Constitution. But it could be removed from the Constitution, and the state of Alaska would no longer be required to provide um, public pu public welfare. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. Yes. So that's why, for example, uh, the Doyon board, which is a, they're a pretty considerable clout, in our state, they passed uh, on July. A uh, uh, the board passed a, uh, in supporting a no vote. The Alaska Con they, it says the Alaska Constitution currently commits the state to support public education, public health, public welfare, and support our university system. Therefore, we should be voting no on holding a constitutional convention. That's their position. We could lose those aspects of our, basically, our um, state support system that we have. 
I am actually a student at UAF right now, mm -hmm. and I did not know that the UA program or yeah, the UA programs were part of the Alaska Constitution. I thought it was a federal thing that states had to pay for their state schools. I didn't realize. So well, I'm learning something. Yeah, they, they, there are federal funding programs for the University of Alaska, but the, you know, there's there's grants. Students get um, federal subsidies. When I attended the university, I got some federal loans mm -hmm. to attend, but. As far as the state university in Article 7, uh, Section uh, 2, the University of Alaska reads, the University of Alaska is hereby established as a state university and constituted a body corporate that, that, that gives them the powers. It shall have title to all real and personal property now and hereafter set aside for or conveyed to it, and its proper property shall be administered and disposed of according to law. So the law is there shall be regions there, you know aspects like that 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 have been established. But the state university is no longer established as a state university, so therefore it has to rely on maybe only private funds or federal federal funding. And you know there are private universities out there, and and they do fine, and this one might do fine, but it would be quite a struggle, I think. Yeah, I think. It would be, in in my brain, whenever I think of something going uh, becoming privatized, it ends up costing more money. Mm -hmm. And currently, uh, I got a Pell Grant mm -hmm. to go this semester, and I had just enough to pay for my classes and my books, and that was it. So... Uh, I don't know how I would pay right. if it if it ends up being mm -hmm. privatized. Right. Um, let's take public health. Mm -hmm. um, it's one sentence in our Alaska Constitution. There's all kinds of laws out there about how we fund and how we administer public health, but the state constitution says the legislature shall provide for the promotion and protection of public health. One. Pretty simple sentence, but it then sets in motion all of the other actions that occur, um, being able to accept federal money through the state for different uh, public health services. But if that were taken out, and then the, there was enough of a reason why we shouldn't have it when the voters get to ratify the new constitution, that's how it could happen. Now. So there's two methods that we've talked about, about uh, amending our Constitution. One is by the legislative process, which they've done that Same. 14 times. Okay. The question's been put to voters many more question, times to question certain sections of the Constitution. Every 10 years, the voters get to decide whether they're going to open up a constitutional convention. When they, If they vote yes... They, could, they have full uh, plenary powers. They could say, we don't want this constitution anymore. Let's put it to voters. We don't have a constitution. Or we'll create one later. So that's how it, 
that that's how it works. It's it's the whole document is open because I want different funding for roads in the state because I'm tired of driving over potholes. The whole document could be changed. Powers that the state has could be eliminated or or added. But school funding is is another item. Um, we heard about the university system, but uh, public education is in that same Article 7. And the legislature shall, by general law, establish and maintain a system of public schools open to all children of the state, may provide for other public educational institutions. Again, read public education. Schools and institutions so established shall be free from sectarian control. Okay, we got that one pretty clear. No money shall be paid from public funds for the direct benefit of any religious or other private educational institutions. So many there's a group of Alaskans that want a voucher system so that they can now amend this constitutional section to say vouchers shall be provided for in for individuals can that could attend other educational institutions. Not the word public in there anymore. Yeah. Um, actually, I did have a conversation with a candidate about that this summer. For those who have been listening to my podcast since the beginning, you'll know that I attended Bible Baptist Church and I was a student of Bible Baptist Church School, which is a private school. It is not a public school. However, if you were to, while you were attending the school, you could sign up for one of the homeschool programs like IDEA to get your extracurricular classes or to take classes during the summer. So I've had friends use IDEA to take photography mm-hmm. or to uh, pay for gym membership so that way they could do gym exercises and do things that you would typically do in gym class in high school. I myself had taken classes over the summer so I could stay in the same classes with the students I started with uh, because their math was slightly behind my uh, what I had already done in junior high. So I ended up in the same classes as people who were a year older than me. And IDEA was able to pay for all of the books except for the curriculum that was a Becca because a Becca is a Christian curriculum mm-hmm. and it it's not covered by idea. And so I had to pay for that out of pocket when I was attending. And when I was talking to this candidate, they were saying that they wanted people to be able to choose their curriculum and say if the curriculum was unacceptable for schools, then they would put it, um, then they would just allow people to pay for it uh, through a homeschool program. And I was trying to understand what he was talking about. Like if he was talking about books where it's still questionable, like a Becca, but they've been around for a while. So some people might be comfortable with paying for it, even if it is not as honest about certain facts, especially when it comes to science or certain parts of history. But when I was talking to this candidate, 
they were like, we want to pay for any, any curriculum that people want, even if it's like the most bigoted and from like some of the most extremist racist organizations that like from members have created curriculum from those types of things. For example, KKK or something, if they created a curriculum, then they would still want Alaska to pay for it. They would just not feel comfortable putting it in public schools, but have people pay for it with homeschools. So that really is a very important part of our constitution because I've had the education that comes with a Christian curriculum that tries to cover for multiple different sects of Christianity. But I've also graduated from West Valley. Um, so I got, I had to catch up and learn about some things that I wasn't able to learn about in private school, mm -hmm. but I'm still even today learning about things that I didn't learn about in school. And I don't know if it's because it wasn't something that just was generally taught in Alaska or if it was something that I missed when I went to the private school mm -hmm. and had that education that tried to steer me towards a certain lifestyle. And I, I don't think people realize how important our state is when it comes to choosing different curriculums uh, and whether or not we're going to use them in the classroom. And for those who don't know, uh, our state has some state approved ones, but then each district, I believe, also chooses some yep. for their public schools. So our school board members here in Fairbanks are uh, for the FNSB school board. They choose the different curriculum stuff that gets added here locally, which is all very important. It's it's something that could be taken away. And it's also a very robust discussion at public meetings when the school board decides they will have this curriculum or that curriculum adopted or eliminate one or eliminate the other. Uh, art was on the chopping block. And music, where band and orchestra, uh, you know, uh, students learn to play instruments or excel at that. Or not excel, and those are on the chopping block because of funding. So, one of the other pieces that's that's out there, of course, is you know I think everybody knows. Us, the Supreme Court said Roe is uh, no longer the law in the country, federally. Mm -hmm. So now it's back to states' decision, okay? And our Constitution in the right to privacy, the right of the people to privacy is recognized and shall not be infringed. The legislature shall implement this section, okay? Now it was amended in 1972, that language, that, that, that's it on privacy. It, so one can say, well, that's everything. It shall not be infringed. Well, there, there you come back to do our citizens have a right to an abortion if they won't choose that? So privacy was amended, and again, it was uh, it was amended in August of 1972. But the actions on it was, first of all, our state was the first state to have a constitution action prohibiting same-sex marriage. We actually said, 
that can't do it. Mm -hmm. But that moved forward to a district court judge now. So here's another process where we'll see how the judicial system deals with our Constitution. In October of 2014, a district court judge ruled <clears throat> that this amendment that we voted on is unconstitutional for whatever reasons. But then the U.S. Supreme Court ruled on June in 2013 that uh, Marriage equality is based on equal protection. So our constitution says equal protection. So so there was a case, let me clarify that, there was a case about um, same-sex marriage and whether the state was going to allow, our state was going to allow that. So it went all the way up through district court. But then the, had the U.S. Constitution <clears throat> finally in 2013 said marriage, about marriage equality is based on equal protection so in 72, we made sure that our, our constitutional sentence was amended mm -hmm. to define that. Um, so um, that's how courts can decide you know, actions that maybe the legislature says, hey, you can't do that, and, or the state government's going to challenge it in court. But anyway, that's a... That's one issue. But right now, we have a very strong constitution right to privacy. And therefore, that's why we can have an individual deciding on either supporting or having an abortion. Again, that could just be taken away by one sentence, by amending it. And that's, that's a very powerful thing in the state right now, as it is across the country. It is a very powerful thing. I actually um, learned this summer that the reason why we have that, that right to privacy, uh, it wasn't because of anything medical, actually. It had to do with internet becoming more popular and people wanting to make sure that their privacy was protected online. Mm -hmm. And so if we take away that right to privacy, not only will it impact a lot of people's personal lives, but it will impact everybody's uh, everybody's internet information data. And I know that it, in some ways, our state likely struggles to keep up with things like Google selling our data to ad advertisers and stuff like that. But um, I know that right now I would prefer to keep those, keep that line of protecting the privacy because it does cover so much of our lives and it impacts everybody. So um, one of the aspects of privacy was smoking marijuana in your house. Ah. And that was one of the pieces that opened up the question of right to privacy in our state court system also. That was actually the one of the starting pieces of it. The marriage piece came, came in another action um, because our Constitution originally said marriage shall be only, may exist only between a man and a woman. But in 1998, it was amended. Um, so, but going back to the marijuana, it was, do, does someone have a right to smoke marijuana in their own house? And the court said, yeah, you have a right. That, that's your privacy. 
So um, that's how having marijuana in your house became okay, and you weren't going to have knocks on the door by by you know, uh, federales saying, "Oh, you're you're consuming marijuana." So um, going back to what are some of the issues right now that various groups might want to change our constitution? What might they be? Just take the governor's case for a constitutional convention. And when he's asked in these debates or when he submits a response to questions, it's up to the people to choose what they want. But in his legislative actions, he submits to the legislature resolutions that would then be put before us, the voters, on items of the Constitution. So, for example, one is the spending limit. Alaska shall have a, Alaska legislature, state of Alaska shall have a spending limit. We're only going to spend so much money. That one didn't come out of the legislature. They said, hey, we ain't going to deal with that. But he wants it done. He has said in the past, and again, um, House joint resolutions and Senate gender joint resolutions, that are, those are the, that's the wording that gets something put on the voters for amending our constitution, shall have a constitutional requirement to have a statewide vote on new, any new taxes. So the legislature may want taxes, but the governor says, oh, no, no, everybody has to vote on that whether we want a new tax or not. Well, that didn't make it out of the legislature. Um, and also then the permanent fund and the constitutional amendment to the permanent fund, there shall be a PFD in the constitution, and it shall be, however, the the wording was the governor wanted that to go through the legislature and get out to the public to vote. It didn't make it. didn't make it. So there's other items that what I call conservative groups in the state want to have considered. Uh, the control of educational spending, we, we, we spoke about that. The ever-present economic support for the Bush, for rural Alaska, how much is enough? Um, and these are these are items from a, a document in March of 2020 from Alaska Politics and Elections that was written by Alex uh, Gurmak. Public employees unions is another aspect of it that they have their uh, political action committees being spending money on electing people. We have central labor does that because they have PACs, uh, political action committees that are allowed. Well, groups want that stopped because there's the pushing candidates, you know, by by funding them, contributing to their to the campaign. This group also feels conservatives also feel like the legislature wants to spend every single dime, so that's where this spending limit comes in. Also, uh, liberal state state judiciary. There's a view that our you know judges and their uh, uh, Supreme Court judges in this state are too liberal. Therefore, they were put forward as names for governors to select from to put put a judge on the uh, state Supreme Court. Therefore, they want the Judicial Council abolished, and they want statewide voting on on judges for the state Supreme Court. I had this Twitter argument going on with somebody just recently that they were of the idea that we should abolish the, the Judicial Council because they're too liberal. They're lawyers, they're um, various people that work with the court system, that 
when a judge wants to be considered for state Supreme Court placement, they review their other legal actions that they've taken. And were they sound decisions? Were they fair decisions? Lawyers, uh, some people that um, keep up on, on, on uh, the relevancy of judicial actions, they, put to, they are a group, the Judicial Council, that then reviews all these actions, how they were with police, how do police feel about them, about this applicant, rather than the public voting that doesn't have that kind of breadth of review and decisions, they may be because they're a member of their church mm-hmm. and they want them there. So that's why the Judicial Council, my argument was, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know all these things. I want a group that knows the questions to ask and what were they fair decisions that this person was making to then be qualified to be on the state Supreme Court. But there's huge amounts of conservatives that don't want this judicial system because they're too liberal. I don't see it as liberal. I see it as thorough. Anyway, that's one reason why I stepped in to be a uh, a member of the vote no, because that's a big deal right now in the conservative venues that they don't want the judicial uh, council to continue. Let's eliminate it. Yeah, I'd have to say I agree just because of how often people actually vote. I'm recording this on the 10th. We just had an election last week, Mm -hmm. uh, so six days ago, and even the Daily News Miner had noted how few of registered voters within the borough and the cities had actually voted in this municipal election. And these are the people who are deciding what payer police are going to get, what how many ambulances we're going to have, and whether our firefighters are going to be overworked and overstaffed because they legally can't uh, just refuse to work. Right. Um, these are the people who decide how much they're going to pay for snow removal or what curriculums their kids are going to get in school or what what companies going to be running the buses and mm-hmm. be making sure that they are able to have enough buses to pick up all of the kids every day. Um, these are people who decide how much to spend on our public parks um, and how much we're going to put uh, for our our history, our interior history, um, into different, oh, what are they called? Uh, like, I want to say the visitor center, but it's not called that anymore. Um, where you walk in and it's got, like, you can walk through and you can see different indigenous things, um, and learn about, like, they just have a lot of, like, Alaskan mm-hmm, history mm-hmm, stuff up on the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cultural Center? Fairbanks Visitors and, and, and... There you go, yeah. And Cultural Center, yeah. And so people aren't voting during these things. So I don't, I don't know if they would come out to vote for a judge. Right, and right. I, w- I would prefer 
to to have it be people who understand law, who know what it's like, who know whether or not lawyers are abusing a system or ignoring things that they shouldn't mm-hmm. be ignoring. Well, I would say that you're probably going to be a vote no. <laughs> I am. I'm right. going to be a vote no. But, but again, there's there's organized groups that will be on the other side of that issue mm-hmm. um, saying this is just what we need. We need people to be deciding, the voters deciding who who is or not. And on our ballots, uh, in on November 8th, we're going to have the whole backside of the ballot is on judges in your district. So you'll be voting for judges at the lower level court system. But when it gets up to the Supreme Court, the writers of this constitutional document back in the 50s said, uh, we shall have a judicial council that will put names forward for this final deciding body of judges, our state Supreme Court. And I agree with that. Good thing. Uh, do you know where people can get copies of the Constitution? Well, you can go online. And the online, um, so when I say online, you would go to the state of Alaska and then uh, uh, legislature, and then you'll be able to drill down to find the Constitution. And you'll be able to um, uh, see all of these things that we're talking about, what the past votes were, and other aspects, you know, uh, especially, um, uh, I, I I believe it even has in there, uh, you know, all, all the history about uh, the delegates to the to the original uh, convention. It it shows you all of the amendments that were put forward for voters to approve after it's gone through. Again, every time it's gone through the legislature and posed and proposed to the voters, one issue at a time, and some failed and and. Uh, most of them failed the uh, voters' actions, and uh, you know, as I said, we changed it 14 times, and it's been a single item each time. And uh, uh, that's in the Constitution that it shall be um, a, a uh, amending um, laws shall be basically single item issues. So whether you vote on them or not, even coming out of the legislature, you can't have a so a multifaceted aspect to a law. It, it has to be germane to the title. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, um, so these are uh, when I carry around my little Constitution book, which you can get at our um, you know if they have enough of copies at our um, Legislative Information Office. Okay. Right. And it, no, it, it has in here what the Judicial Council shall do under Article 4. Dedicated funds for school funding. Speaks, speaks directly to uh, uh, dedicated funds. Well, so, I'm sorry, our, our retirement systems. So state retirement systems, they're dedicated funds, PERS and TERS. So... That's in our Constitution, that we shall have those, uh, that we can have dedicated funds. And it has to be, you know, specifically and part of our Constitution, not just uh, created by, by a simple law. And again, in, uh, in Article 9, Section 15 is about the permanent fund. And again, there was an amendment to that. So these are the, this little blue book and its pages are basically the backbone of 
how our laws are, and uh, I hope that uh, our discussion here today uh, and will convince others to vote no on the ballot question, the only ballot question we'll have, uh, shall there be a constitutional convention? But what does that mean? That's why I want to thank you for um, asking me, so what does it mean? <laughs> that uh, I, I, I appreciate it. Are there any questions that I don't know enough to ask, and what would be the answer? I'm not sure we touched on uh, maybe who would be the delegates. We talked about uh, legislators could run. You or I could submit our, our names and run for that position to be a delegate from whatever districts are proposed, which will probably be our legislative districts at the time, which will be what we have now. And you're going to run for that just like you'd run for the borough assembly or other things. You you, you have to get your message out why, why you want to be a delegate. So maybe you won't be running as one because you don't want to change the Constitution, but maybe you want to run so that what they propose, you would vote no for uh, in the convention, because if it doesn't make it past the floor vote in a in a convention, it doesn't go anywhere. So. And you said that after the delegates are done putting together a constitution, the voters, the citizens would still vote on it. Right? Yes, it would be a statewide vote, but it's not clear whether. Let's say the Constitutional Convention amends 10 things, mm -hmm. 10 parts of this book. It's not clear whether, since we've never had it really uh, determined, and the convention may have the power to say, we're going to have one vote on all these 10 items. Or do you vote on every single individual item so you'd have 10 items to vote on on your ballot? So that's not clear yet because we've never done it. Would they be able to propose more than one constitution? Well, a constitution would be a whole document. They could create another section to it, article, whatever. You know. Well, I mean, what if they, because I know currently for those who are talking for it, um, they're talking about some changes they would make. But one of the things that I had heard is that uh, instead of just making changes to our current constitution, they could just start over from scratch mm -hmm. and remove everything. And write just what they want. Yeah. And then that would be put before the voters. Again, okay. 14 states have that powers, but only two of them have even held con conventions. So uh, one, of the, uh, one of the aspects of having a constitutional convention and why I don't think it's the best way to change an incredible document that's worked great for many, many years for us is that it could be just an up or down vote for a change for a whole new constitution. And the other one is that, as I've said, we've only modified our constitution 14 times by individual actions put forward by the legislature. That's 60 elected members deciding we'll pose this question to our voters. Rigorous debate. And only 14 of those aspects have been approved by voters. So there's a rigorous process is what I'm trying to get to of getting one item considered changing our constitution. 
to change our constitution. Again, we've had we've had numerous, as I said, we've had a hundred and thirty in the last fifteen years. Even we've had hundred and thirty-seven items proposed within the legislature. Hardly any of those ever made it out of the legislature to be put before the voters. And again, the legislatures said seventy. Excuse me, forty-two of those. These are good ideas. Vote on them. But only 14 of them, the voters felt safe about approving. So I'm just trying to give this picture that it's a very rigorous process. Mm-hmm. Most of the thing, most of the ideas never made it out of the legislature to be put to voters. But at a convention, they'd have floor debates. They would vote on things. But again, they may be lay people that have been elected. The way a new person gets elected to the legislature. They may be legislators who have money and power behind them to be elected. Their names are already familiar. People have voted on them before. Is that fair? These are all questions that... Are there laws about uh, how long a delegate has to have lived in a district? Could, like, For example, could someone from Florida move up a month prior to... like? Uh, or as soon as wherever you put your name down to run to be a delegate, could someone from Florida move up like that the first week and then run? I guess I haven't been a student of the Constitution long enough to know (laughs) in the 1950s when they had their first convention that they had to have a, a residency requirement. There probably is a residency requirement. I'm sorry, I don't know that right off. Any Alaskan, so if you're a registered voter, you've been here for X amount of time, that's probably the requirement. Okay. What it is for being able to vote. If you're a voter, you could be elected. Somebody that just came up last week from Florida, not so much. Okay. However, they could donate. Oh yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of people and entities will be donating money if there's a constitutional convention because they want to have whatever idea they have maybe put into law or into the constitution actually. So, wild cards, a lot of wild cards if you play card games. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, and I, again, um there are uh Many organizations that have already come out against having a uh, convention, so they're saying vote no. Not so much on vote yes. Most of it is groups of lay people as opposed to entities that are involved with state processes, state revenue, state, you know, whether they're businesses. The business community is quite concerned of what it could be. Because, first of all, there's a long period to finally get to a vote on any amendments to the Constitution. After this, you have to elect delegates, they have to hold a convention, and then they have to put it before the vote at the next regular session, the next regular election. So that, that could be a long period. That creates uncertainty in the state. What might be the new laws? Mm-hmm. Shall there be new taxes for mining? Shall there be no taxes on mineral extraction or oil and gas extraction? Um, shall there be um, a full PFD of whatever 
it's called for. Should they put a PFD, a permanent fund dividend check, into the Constitution? And what size would that be? This is all uncertainty. Business doesn't like uncertainty. That's why so many businesses are going, we like the process we have now, one item at a time coming before voters. Mm -hmm. So that's why our chamber, Fairbanks chamber, came out with a vote no on the Constitutional Convention question. It's too volatile. We're in volatile times. I mean, just look at our national politics mm -hmm. and how much money we're spending on that. Yeah, I know a lot of, I don't know if the actual organizations or corporations are doing this, but I know a lot of people who work for different organizations or corporations have talked about it and said that they wanted to vote no as well because it created issues for them, whether it was like people who work for ASRC, which is my corporation, Arctic Slope Regional Corporation, like some of them would be like, well, I'm going to vote no because, you know, we're already struggling to deal with this stuff. We don't want to be wondering if this is going to mm -hmm. change everything for us up here or mm -hmm. whether it was people who work here locally, uh, whether they work um, with children or if they're helping the uh, unsheltered homeless They've been like, I'm going to vote no because it, it disrupts these aspects of my work. Or it could disrupt these mm -hmm. aspects, and we wouldn't know. So For a long time, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot, of, a lot of people talking about it and asking questions. So thank you so much for coming yep. and talking with us and answering so many questions. And they can, find, they can contact me if they want me to come before... Of course, it's a pretty short time to before we held the vote. But if any group wants me to come talk to them about it, or John Coghill, or if they if they want to go to our website um, that I said um, to find out, gee, I wonder who's not wanting a constitutional convention. There's, as I said, there's a list of 400 people on there that you can just look at right on down the list. So uh, there's also an Ollie class coming up. Um, but I think it's probably full and you'd have to sign up for it online because I think it's on the 25th of October or something like that, 26th. Okay. But it's but it's an Ollie class. Just have to sign up for it. Uh, do you want to say the name of the website again? Yes. Uh, it's uh, a defendakconstitution.com. So AK is, there's no abbreviate, I mean, there's no periods or anything in it. It's just the word defend, akconstitution.com. And uh, our, main our, our main statement is, as you see on the signs, vote no, vote no on one, mm -hmm. or just no on one, officially. But that has to do with our only, the only ballot question we have on our election on November 8th. Okay. Um. And they can contact me, my... My number's out there. Uh, I'm a, a member of the Interior Gas Utility, uh, so I'm a you know a public official. My contact information's out there, and I have a cell phone. They can contact me at LukeTHopkins at gmail.com. I'll make sure the website and your email are in the description of the podcast. I would also like to thank my donors for making sure that I can continue to do this podcast even while I'm in school and volunteering and doing other stuff. 
I would also like to thank KWRK for airing our podcast on their radio station. And if you want to check them out, go to kwrk.org. All right, peoples, I think I'm going to wrap it up here. This month is ADHD Awareness Month. So please, uh, for the sake of me, uh, your local podcaster with ADHD, learn something about how our brains work that's a little bit different from yours. So that way you can learn how better to work with us on projects and how to maximize how differently we work because we sync well pretty together when we work with people, a wide variety of people on different projects. Bye, peoples.